Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2020 is brought to you by the organizational team, Anne, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. High school's tough enough without having to grapple with identity issues, a criminal past, or living in a whole new country. Add superpowers to the mix, and things are going to get weird this year at Phoenix Academy. Unlabeled AP is a Masks Actual Play podcast about gender, identity, friendship, and what it means to be a hero. Wait, we're supposed to be heroes? Classes in session at anchor.fm forward slash unlabeled AP. Welcome to Duskwall. Join the Magpies, a crew of scoundrels and vigilantes, as they try to survive and thrive in a haunted industrial fantasy city. This Blades in the Dark actual play podcast posts new episodes every other Tuesday. Join us at magpiespodcast.net. Even when the sun broke, we still worshipped it as our god. Even when it died, we trusted its ministers to guide us. When we learned that we walked atop buried lies and beneath a hidden oppressor, we finally had enough. Now it is the time to storm the sun and take back what was stolen. Stories of a Broken Sun is an actual play anthology where diverse voices play to find out what happens in every corner of an original world. After the adventures end, we will forever have stories to share of our wild endeavors. Wild Endeavors is an actual play audio drama. We use tabletop RPGs to collaboratively tell stories, then set those stories to music, ambiance, and sound effects. From our dark, emotive, dimension-hopping Dungeon World series, to our current D&D campaign, to our less-than-serious seasonal one-shots, there are many ways for you to jump in and start sharing in our wild endeavors. special episode of the International Podcast Month. Today we are playing Songs for the Dusk. Songs for the Dusk is a Forge in the Dark role-playing game by Kavita Paduri and Quinn Blaylor. In it, you take on the role of brave and compassionate adventurers called Striders, trying to build a better future in the ruins of a post-apocalyptic science fantasy world. I'm Arp. My pronouns are he or they. You can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber. Or you can follow my show, Stories of a Broken Sun, at Broken Sun RPG. I'm also joined today by Ree. Hi, I'm Ree. Pronouns are she and her. I am the GM and producer of The Magpies, which is a Blades in the Dark actual play podcast. Uh, you can follow me at my personal Twitter, at uh, Rhiannon42, or The Magpies at magpies underscore pod. And you can learn more about the show at magpiespodcast.net. Thank you. We're also joined by Thomas. Hello, Thomas Marcetti, he, him. I'm the GM and producer of Wild Endeavors. We're an actual play podcast. We have a Dungeon World campaign and are running a D&D 5th edition right now. You can find me on Twitter at Wild Endeavors. And also we are joined by B. Hi, I'm B McJanda. I play Jupiter Rising, the Transformed on Unlabeled AP, a Masks podcast, which can be found at 
unlabeled AP with three L's on Twitter. Uh, and my personal Twitter can be found at space doobie. Thank you so much. So we're all ready to be uh, heroic and valiant striders in the world of Tamaris today. Very excited. This game is currently on version 0.4 as we're recording, but Kavi was very kind to provide us with the current 0.5 alpha playbooks. So we're going to be using the 0.5 playbooks with the rest of the 0.4 rules, and we're just going to keep our fingers crossed that nothing breaks. <laughs> uh, I've also got in roll 20 here, there's uh, you in the audience won't see these, but our players will. So these clocks and maps that you see before you are made by at Chris underscore Geldart on Twitter. I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Big thanks to him for these beautiful assets that are going to make our time here together so much more aesthetically pleasing. Now, speaking of aesthetics, it has been 424 years since the cataclysm that ended the Radiant Era. Well, it's been 424 years since anyone started counting years again, at least. In that time, humanity crawled back out of their bunkers and began to build a new world atop the unfathomable bones of the old. This has had some drawbacks. No one really knows how the technology of the Radiant Era worked, and sometimes some piece of the distant past will wake up and cause trouble. When that happens, someone has to go find out what's going on and find a way to make it stop. Most people don't want to be that someone, but sometimes you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, or your community believes in you, or the siren song of profit and power catches your ear. Recently, the sleepy town of Isan in the mountainous Pinelock region has had a few troubling developments. At first, it seemed like the tremors were little more than the earthquakes that occasionally shook the hills, but when Isan wrenched itself from the ground and began to float up into the sky, the citizens had some concerns and turned to their local heroes for help. Whether you're ready or not, today, you are one of those heroes. The town has not yet stopped ascending, and eventually that's going to cause some serious habitability problems. At the same time, powers near and far may see this as an opportunity or a threat. Your town needs you. Do you have what it takes to bring Isan back down to Earth? Let's meet our characters. First of all, before we introduce your characters, do you think your characters know each other before getting stuck here on Isan together? I'm leaning towards yes. Yeah, I would lean that way too, just so it's one less thing we kind of have to mess around with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm open to that. Okay. Like, are we already like a crew or do we just know each other? Hmm. That's your call. Yeah, I guess it kind of uh, it raises the question of were we in the town when it went up? <laughs> I think it's kind of fun if you were here, perhaps on the way to somewhere else. Yeah, that's kind of what I was, <laughs> I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that idea that maybe we we are like, maybe this is, you know, maybe we haven't been an established crew for a long time, but I think that we we have been working together. And I, I like the idea that we were on our way to some other fun and exciting <laughs> site and just ended up like, oh, you know, we'll just stay in this town for a day or two and resupply and rest. And then up we went. Yeah, sometimes the work finds you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so your characters are not the only passersby who have been caught up in this town's current drama, uh, but we'll meet the rest of them soon enough. What you do know is that your group of augurs, who are uh, scientists and explorers, is your crew type here, are in an area that is now considerably more interesting than Isan has ever been before <laughs> in the entire history of uh, the post-Radiant era here. This is a sleepy town. Not much happens until now. <laughs> Where do you think you find yourselves when you wake up or look over and notice that the ground is no longer the ground? 
you know, this town and the surrounding areas have lifted up and are quite rapidly beginning to float up into the sky. Do we want to use this sort of as also like introducing characters at the... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Aster, his pronouns are they, them, is a, a synthetic. They are pretty much humanoid in shape, um, but they have um, sort of like lavender skin with like iridescent scales on it. Solid black eyes, no hair, but sometimes they will experiment with wigs and hats. And one of the, the things about their kind of synthetic nature is that they are solar powered. By and large, um, I think they also do kind of they, they can consume plant matter for power if they are in an area where there's not a lot of sunlight for a while. But mostly they're so, they're solar powered. So I think that they got up went with the sun to go out and repower and, you know, stepped out into the morning and noticed that hmm, the angle of the sun seems very off and then quickly discovered <laughs> that the, the town was uh, aloft. So I think that that's where where they're at is the and and uh, being a they they are the scholar playbook the the scholar is a a quick witted researcher and historian so I think that they uh, upon realizing this had happened immediately ran to the nearest edge <laughs> to look over and assess the situation like how far how high up are we how fast are we moving is something lifting us or you know what's the propulsion here so they. Uh, are, are investigating the situation. I think uh, the first thing Aster will notice is that, no, there is nothing lifting you. When you look up, it's just the sky. I guess a little less of it than usual. <laughs> like when you get up, the horizon changes a little bit there. But uh, it's, it's just the sky. There doesn't appear to be any type of balloon or wayward dragon or anything like that. Okay. That's useful data to have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I am uh, Mezzanine Shipjack. Uh, they, them. I am an Andronagus uh, humanoid with copper-colored skin, eyes that are more just like a, a vast array of like lenses and apertures. So they probably constantly kind of change colors as different like things shift into place uh, as I'm looking at various technologies. I am bald, about four and a half feet tall, have prehensile feet. I would be probably mucking around in like uh, some type of air purifying unit, just taking it apart to see how it works whenever I'm bored or feeling awkward, which is a lot of the times I like to take things apart. And uh, that includes myself. Uh, so my typically wear a brown leather bomber style jacket, but it has zippers all over it so I can access various ports that are in my skin. Uh, I can plug in different technologies or nano boosters or things like that just to, to change myself. Uh, so I'm probably like elbows deep in this, um, in the guts of this air purifier when I'm like, something's not right. <laughs> and then I would probably make my way to uh, try to find Aster. Okay. While you're on your way to meet Aster, we are finally turning our camera to... Uh, Crescent Moon Jalili. CJ for short. Uh, they use any all pronouns. They are standard substrate, thin facial features, thin facial hair, uh, groomed but untidy, like they do, like uh, take care of their appearance. But you know, they're also you know they, they go out there uh, the kestrel, uh, so they you know get a little rough and tumble. They grew up on a gator farm, tawny skin. They have a prosthetic arm, you know. They grew up on a gator farm. Uh, <laughs> they have long hair pulled back in a high ponytail, and they have a very Yoshitaka Amano kind of fashion sense. Just lots of, they're usually wearing a skirt, uh, lots of scarves, drapey fabrics, beads, bright colors, uh, that sort of thing. She is a morning person. 
maybe not quite uh, as prompt as Aster, but, you know, they, they're going through their, uh, you know, morning routine, they're making tea, um, they've probably made a, a cup for Aster just, you know, to share communally, because you mentioned they can uh, ingest some plant matter. Yeah. Um, does mezzanine eat? Yeah. Or drink? Then yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then she's made tea for everybody and just kind of like, oh, where is everyone? And just kind of like heading outside uh, with, you know, three mugs of tea. <laughs> 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 I think yeah, like uh, who do I find first, Aster or Mezzanine? Um, well, Aster's standing at the edge, and Mezzanine is on their way over there. So you might intercept Mezzanine. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 we pr- probably all get there at the same time, and I just say, uh, "Hey, what's up? We're flying." I I was gonna say we are. Yeah, I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just woke up. What? <laughs> Look, look, look. And I'll, like, take your arm and, and lead you over to the edge and, and point. Look. Uh, mm, oh. I just kind of, like, <laughs> nod, taking it in, just trying to be as cool as possible. Um, I think I'm going to, like, crawl on my belly to the edge and get as much of my body over it as I can. Um, oh. And just kind of try to look down. Um, yeah, it's probably more than I should, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Aster is like kind of leaning forward, like ready to grab you by the ankles <laughs> if you fall. I'm just nodding, drinking my tea as quickly as possible. I need to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like, okay, so this is how this day is going to be. All right. <laughs> About how far up are we at this point? Yeah. It was the exact information oh. I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're about 100 meters up right now, which is 330 feet or so. And you are rising. It, you're not rising at like a super rapid pace, but it is a noticeable ascent. So it's continuing to go up. You know, you look around the town and people are also waking and coming over, looking at the edge. Most people look fairly upset by this development. It's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like you might expect like uh, screaming or shouting or panicking, but there isn't honestly that much of it. Like the people are looking over the edge and they're just like, oh, really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just more disappointment than anything. And uh... <laughs> oh, I planned on being down there today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, look, my, my sheep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they're de- come on. I love Someone's them. got a shepherd's crook. They're standing there just like, oh. <laughs> There goes my day. <laughs> you see one person has already industriously, like they've looped a, a bit of a rope around a tree. They're trying to get it over the edge there. Just there's not enough rope. <laughs> so, you know, calling people over. Some folks are starting to come over with their own rope. They're like, maybe if we tie this guy, we normally keep our rope outside the town, I guess. But <laughs> It's all with the sheep. And they, some, some groups of people start to form and, and talk this out. And you notice around this point that there is a very large man who has come up and is sort of hovering next to your group. He's trying to look like he's just happens to be there also. But this guy is about, uh, I don't know, six foot five, muscular. He's wearing like a velour suit with spills of lace coming out like a cravat uh, area and around the sleeves, of course, uh, tails. It's like a mauve color that he's got. He's Again, incredibly tall, very powerful looking gentleman. He's got floppy ears, like a dog's ears, and uh, big sharp teeth, which he's showing off in a smile. 
as he looks over, waiting for you to notice him so that he can act like he's just noticed you. <laughs> hmm. Howdy. <laughs> oh, hello. I didn't see you there. <laughs> I feel well, like the uh... three of us exchange a look of like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you enjoying the view? Uh, well, it's definitely not the view I expected when, when I got up this morning. Uh, do you know anything about what, what caused this? This isn't a normal thing for this town, right? I feel like I'd have heard it. Not that I've ever heard of. Yeah. Yes, indeed. You would assume this would be the type of thing that would show up in the local travel guides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I believe this to be the work of. And he turns to look off into the distance, uh, further into the town. He brings a hand up to his chin. The supernatural. Uh, oh, see, I was, I was kind of starting to suspect that myself. Aster kind of like leans forward to where, where he's looking. He's like, is there a, a camera? Do you have a drum? <laughs> Are we being recorded? There is a camera over there, actually. There is a, a camera that's also about five and a half feet, six feet off the ground on a tripod. And the camera is there looking directly at him as he looks into the camera after having made his pronouncement there. <laughs> well, 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 sir, uh, do, do you know where we can find this supernatural? I, I would like to talk to them, yeah? Why are you, why are you being, why are you recording all of this? Oh, this, he says. Ah, yes, uh, that is Echo Lambda 4, our camera person. And the camera bobs up and down in greeting to you. Hello, that is an introduction to your camera person. It is not an explanation for why you are recording. Forgive me. I am Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb, the head investigator of the Spook Snoops. You may have heard of us. Have I heard of them? Do you watch garbage TV? <laughs> yeah, I feel like now we all have to make a very profound character choice. <laughs> do we watch garbage TV? I don't think I do, but I have like family that does. Okay. You, you may have heard of the Spook Snoops then. They're, they're a pretty big name in the kind of TV that you watch if you don't want to think about anything. Okay. 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 But if you are not of that type of audience, then you would have absolutely no idea. Just nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very confused then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think Aster does either. I think, but but they they nod politely. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> he looks a little crestfallen, but he nods and says, we were... Uh, on our way through here, of course, to a much more important destination, but uh, it appears that the supernatural has found us, when usually it is us trying to find the supernatural. Uh, sorry, let me take that again. And he, he glances over at the camera and says, can you, can you cut that? I need to, I feel like at the, and um, a bulldog ambles up, and the bulldog is wearing a baseball cap and a t-shirt, and uh, he says, no, nah, I think we're good. <laughs> You done bothering these people? Can we can we pack up? So the dog is talking, obviously. The dog is also riding a very large beetle. And the dog turns to the camera and says, Okay, uh, I know that you're new here, but you do not have to follow him around everywhere he goes. You just stick to the scripts. Come with me. I will point you in the direction. All right, so let's... And the, the bulldog with the beetle and the camera start to amble off. The camera is a tripod, so it's just like walking <laughs> on its three feet. Wait. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. Um, oh, quick, yeah, quick question. Yeah. yeah. Um, you said following the scripts. Um, you, did you have did you have a script prepared for the town lifting up into the air? Did you know that this was going to happen? No, no. Uh, I would be getting much more hazard pay for this type of engagement. Normally, we just uh, he pauses. 
glancing back and forth, investigate genuine supernatural occurrences. Uh, <laughs> I'm the producer. I'm not really camera uh, ready, but uh, doctor, we have been hired to investigate this for real. So if you could, let's let's go. And he gestures over towards one of the groups of people meeting in the central square. And the doctor turns to you and gives an elaborate bow. My apologies. Perhaps we shall speak again in the unknown mist of the future. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, anything's <laughs> possible. So, uh, y'all want to follow him and see what's up? I feel like maybe, uh, well, yes. I don't, I don't think we should leave the town's fate in his hands. Maybe, uh, the other fellow seemed a bit more sensible at least, but, um, yes, I, I think perhaps we should offer our services as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, more the merrier, right? As, as fascinating as this is, uh, I, I, I would like to get down eventually. And if, if they're going to be investigating, or at least per, even pretending to investigate, they might actually accidentally find something, yeah? Yes, yeah, and I, I, I am not entirely certain that a, a TV personality is going to be equipped to, to handle that sort of thing. I doubt this is anything supernatural. It may be some kind of... Uh, Radiant Era artifact that's activated. Oh, let's hope, yeah. It would be quite an interesting find. I, I don't know many uh, stories from those days of, um, you know, levitation or hovercraft, but anything's possible. But we should, we should get over there before they uh, get too far into the investigation, I think. Sounds good. Okay. We'll just cut to you entering the square. There's a group of people gathered around one individual in, in particular, and in this group that's gathered, you also see Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb. I gotta write that down. And Echo Lambda 4 and uh, the producer dog that are part of that. They're also standing next to a sort of tall, gangly person who is wearing basically a GoPro style. <laughs> they have pauldrons, and each pauldron has like a GoPro camera on it. And they've also got some type of like electronic device uh, on, on their chest. Uh, just tall, gangly person, red hair, sort of shabbily cut, but in an artful way. So they're part of this crowd, along with lots of others, people of all shapes and sizes, synthetics, organic folk, dog people, cat people, take your pick. They're all here. And in the middle of this group, standing on a milk crate is the mayor who you would have seen when you arrived because her main job is speaking to people who come to the town. Uh, Isan is an anarcho-syndicalist commune, so they don't really have traditional power structures, but the mayor's job is to speak for the town. She doesn't have any legislative power, but she's outgoing. She's concerned about things and she's good with people. Uh, she's about four feet tall. Uh, she has large eyes, no larger, like large large eyes to the point where they're like bugging out on either side of her head and she's standing on this milk crate addressing the crowd and just trying to keep people calm she's also covered in this downy tan fur and she's saying now please everyone just remember remain calm that's our motto here in isan isan we're calm it almost rhymes now we have gotten fortunately some people are here from the tamaris union of journalists and they're highly respected professionals in the field of investigation. So we've been able to hire them on to get their assistance to figure out what's going on. And I'm sure they will be able to take care of it. Lickety split. And we'll be back down to the ground before night falls. And she looks up at the sky as it's continuing to rise and she says, 
Until then, it's probably best if you stay inside. And people are grumbling, but most people are starting to disperse and head back towards their homes or to look over the edge. You see a bunch of kids are just sitting on the edge, their legs dangling, <laughs> looking down because they're children. They have no concept of danger. Uh, yeah, so that's what's going on here. The crowd is beginning to disperse, but these people from the uh, spook snoops are still there talking to the mayor. Do we see any of the, the journalists? I think those are the journalists. That's oh. them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I'll um, walk and be like, um, hello, um, uh, Mayor. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't catch your name yesterday. Oh, she apologizes and she hops down from her milk crate now that there aren't so many people to address and offers her hand and says, Daniel Wiley, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, so my, my friends and I, uh, we're, we're also passing through town. Um, I am a, a, a scholar from uh, one of the, the Serafinian universities. Um, oh. And uh, if, um, you know, I, and I, I'm, I'm joined by my companions here who are also both uh, highly skilled experts in their fields. And um, we, we would uh, be interested in, in also uh, assisting with investigating this, uh, this anomaly that's happened here and and uh, hopefully helping the town uh, get safely back to the ground. Well, I personally would be delighted to have any further assistance. I think the more the merrier. And she turns to the dog and says, what about you? Uh, would this be acceptable to your group? And uh, at the at the moment that he is being addressed, the dog is in the midst of licking himself, but he pauses in that and looks up, uh, glances over at you again. And then at the mayor, he looks at Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb and looks at the last person who's standing next to him. And he says, eh, it's fine. Yeah, you can sign a waiver, right? Uh, well, I, I, it depends on what the waiver says. Uh, you know, we can't be held responsible for any danger or injury that you may obtain in the midst of filming our show. Okay. Can uh, we get you to sign one of those, too? Are you a TV show? No, just, you know, I don't want to... I mean, if we're, like, abdicating responsibility, then, uh... It should go both ways. If you want me to sign a waiver, that's fine. <laughs> I will pull out, like, a, a tablet of some kind and start scrolling through, like, my university files. I'm sure that there's a waiver in there somewhere that fits. <laughs> he gives himself a scratch and he looks at the doctor and says, Yeah, you, uh, you sign those things, too. You gotta make sure everybody's satisfied. And I figure you could probably use his... I, of course, am always willing to work with a colleague. Which university did you say you went to? Out of character, I didn't come up with a name for the university, <laughs> so if somebody wants to help me out there... Seraphin. Uh, what's the... What is the, the name of the capital? Let me look that up. We'll just... Okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like <laughs> it's that. It's okay. <laughs> Actually, we're going to say, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I got my doctorate at uh, Arcadia University in uh, Seraphin. Arcadia? Very prestigious. Very prestigious indeed. Of course, I'm very happy to work with someone from Arcadia University, he says. And he uh, puts his hand on the gangly person's shoulder and says, My associate Nebula here will, of course, uh, sign your waiver, as, as will I. Yep, I'll, I'll just... <laughs> I've, I've found something that's close enough <laughs> <laughs> for this. <laughs> we'll all exchange waivers. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, a general exchanging of waivers. Uh, the, the dog puts his paw on your tablet and uh, his name shows up as Riff Graham. And uh, 
Dr. Moonlock powerbomb signs a very elaborate signature. It takes an extremely long time for him to get through it. And Nebula signs Nebula Pearl, P-U-R-L, under their name. So, uh, oh, and Echo Lambda 4, Z also, uh, Echo Lambda 4's pronouns are Zzer. Uh, they use one of their tripod arms, retracts all the way up, and then goes bop onto it and then cracks <laughs> up and goes back down again. You get Ecto Lambda Dash 4 is the name on there. And I'm throwing a lot of characters at you right now, but we'll get through it. Uh, okay, so your task here that you've been hired to do is investigate what's causing the town of Isan to fly up into the air and make that not happen anymore, please. Uh, the mayor is putting you in contact with the representatives of various affinity groups who work in the town. Uh, so she offers to introduce you to the sanitation affinity group, the investigation affinity group, and the maintenance affinity group, and anyone else you feel like you need to get in touch with. But she figures those are probably the people you'll want to talk to if you're looking at going underground. So is it like just the town or like any of the surrounding area? And some of the surrounding fields and areas around it are with it as well. Okay. So it's like the town. The town doesn't have walls. So it's the town and then just like the surrounding area around it as well. It's a large chunk of ground that is floating up here. Well, I would I would vote for maintenance. Oh. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Or at least as a starting point. Yeah, sure. So you meet Gasket Color Form. She is the representative that's currently on duty of the maintenance affinity group. Pronouns are she, her. She is in a workshop when you all arrive to meet her and she uh, wheels around to see you. Uh, she's got three arms. She's in a rad wheelchair and wheels over to see you and says, oh, hello. Uh, you must be the investigators that we've hired. Uh, yes, we're, we're some of them. I, I, I feel like I'm just picturing that like we're having this conversation and the doctor is like setting up some dramatic shot, trying to yeah. find the best lighting in the front of the warehouse. Yeah, you see um, in, in the background, Echo Lambda 4 is setting up their own tripod and a riff on the back of the beetle has climbed up onto the wall. The beetle's like climbed up onto the wall to get a better view of what's going on. He's pointing the people around. I think I'm just kind of like staring wide eyed at some of the stuff in the workshop and like fidgeting, like trying not to or like trying to control myself, like to not go over and just start messing around with all the tools and stuff. Uh, Gasket sees you doing that and she says, oh, feel free if you want to poke around in anything just don't just don't break it but uh everything here is free to use oh i do i do immediately <laughs> I, I jump right in and start taking something apart <laughs> i'm still listening yeah okay i i trust you so how can i help you um well town's floating yeah it's great isn't it, it it's definitely unique um we're wondering uh i mean i guess one have have you noticed anything odd over the last few days weeks that might have indicated the town was going to do this oh in retrospect i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean hindsight being what it is let me think she scratches her head while she is fiddling with a device in her other two hands i think you know honestly nothing that i have done has been i don't think this is my fault i want to make that very clear oh of course of course but uh, I did do some upgrades recently to our power exchanger system. We we have our own power grid here in Isan. Uh, it's a, a bit of a unique situation. It, it works through the sewers, and there's a you know a, an entity that lives down there, converts our waste into energy, and then we use the plant to you know. I'm sure you've run into this kind of thing before. An entity? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a mycelial network. It consumes 
uh, waste and that helps it grow. And in return, it generates heat and the heat we convert into energy. That's pretty standard stuff. Is that pretty standard? It's not. It's okay. not standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is remarkable and, and very efficient. Is the is this entity something that what was was here prior to the, the town or, or was it was it brought here or fostered? How did this arrangement come about? That is an excellent question that I am not equipped to answer. I'm very sorry about that. I, I do the machines part. Who, who would we talk to about uh, caring for the, the, the entity, I suppose? Oh, you probably want to talk to Imelda over in logistics. She's the current host. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, the host. The symbiotic relationship. She, the network works through her. I s- okay. Is this not as common as I was led to believe? Nope, nope <laughs> definitely not. Not even okay, a little I'll, bit. I mean, it's, I mean, it's cool as heck, but like, yeah, very, no, very no. <laughs> interesting system you have here. But I literally have never heard of a setup like this before. Okay, well, I mean, I've never left Isan, so that's probably why. Uh, <laughs> I can point you at the power exchange center if you want to take a look and see. I assure you, I didn't do anything that would make anything float. Oh no, no, we we are are not looking to to pin blame on anyone. We just want to figure out what what happened and how to make it go backwards that's good yeah because red was here earlier and he was being a real jerk about things so i just i want to make it clear i did not make anything float uh i think i'm gonna like i'm gonna like pop out of some kind of chassis like where i shouldn't have been <laughs> so what upgrades did you make just out of curiosity yeah Really basic stuff. You know, I just wanted to make sure that the exchange was more uh, efficient, that we got higher rates of energy back from the heat that we were using and less waste. There's a bit of a byproduct. So I just wanted to make sure that was draining properly. It's stuff we've been doing for centuries. Hmm. And networks cool with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they weren't, probably Imelda would let us know immediately. Okay. I'm guessing maybe I I feel like we should go talk to this Imelda person. The host yes that seems like it would be yeah i mean i was honestly just going to suggest going down to the sewers and uh seeing if we could find out what it thinks but uh we can just talk to this imelda that sounds a lot easier i am we're gonna have to go down to the sewers eventually i think oh uh, yeah i mean yeah yeah probably <laughs> yeah there's some kind of psychic mushrooms in the sewer like we're going down there <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's really nice to meet you uh let me know if i can help you with anything yeah yeah uh we'll do uh, you you've been very helpful so far uh Thank you, and uh, we'll we'll do what we can to get this sorted out. All right. She wheels back around to what she was working on and sort of waves. See yourself out. <laughs> Bye. It was nice to meet you. Thanks, thanks for letting me play with your stuff. Yeah. Anytime. Aster, like, as soon as we start walking out, is just frantically typing notes about this. <laughs> it's like, this is fascinating. As you are leaving, you hear behind you, the show finally starts filming. <laughs> <laughs> You're setting up that whole time. <laughs> yeah, you just hear Dr. Powerbomb's booming voice in the background. And then like, what? I just I just talked. To, I just went through this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the door closes. You make your way over to uh, with the with the help of the mayor guys, you over to meet with Imelda, the uh, representative of the village logistics group. And uh, she says, I haven't seen Imelda so far this morning, but uh, usually she hangs out here. This is uh, this is where she lives. And she gestures to uh, a low building. The first floor has just the word logistics written above the door. Uh, And then above that, there's presumably a living space on the second floor. 
who who else is involved in the logistics group? Whoever wants to be. I mean, that's generally how it works around here. Okay. If you feel like you want to do logistics, you just go to the logistics building. Okay. Sounds good. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> uh, there's no answer, but you can hear something happening inside and it doesn't sound particularly calm, which is unusual in your experience of Isan so far. Does it sound like a, like a struggle or like some something's breaking or... Crashing, breaking noises, loud thuds. Oh, okay. Is the mayor still with us? She's there, yes. She's not standing next to the door, though. She's giving you space to go and approach. Is that is that normal? Is breaking sounds normal? Oh, no, oh, no. Okay, we she should... She suddenly looks concerned. Yeah. She starts fumbling with, like, the keys on her. But no, no. no. <laughs> She's rushing over. She has a big belt of keys and, and eventually finds the one that fits into the door, uh, swinging it open to show you that inside uh, there is a tall blonde woman and she is in the middle of upending a table that's covered in glass containers of some sort. Those all crash to the ground and break. And you can see that the rest of this area is similarly in disarray. It looks like she's been breaking stuff left and right. Cool, cool, cool. And there she says, Imelda! Uh, does she respond? Yeah, does she react at all? She looks over and... She doesn't look over in the way of like a person being surprised to hear someone's voice that they know. She looks over more in the way of like a hungry wolf who's noticed that there's food here now. Oh, okay. And she is hunched over and she begins to run towards you. Who's in the doorway? <laughs> oh, no. Um, I think, I mean, uh, CJ might be the group's muscle. I am not 100% sure what everyone's stats are, but like, you know, I... I wrestle gators. I, you know, I'm used to getting in scraps when I have to. Feel, so, like, at the very least, I definitely through the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely push in, and I'm like just trying to like put out like a soothing energy. Like, I've got like a kind of low posture, just trying to keep my voice low. Like, hey, 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 hey. Okay, so you're standing in the doorway. This is a sudden thing. I think you can. Yeah. Okay. So you want to do an action in this case? Yeah. Yeah. Would I be able to pitch for tune? Just like she spends a lot of time with nature and can kind of communicate in ways that aren't always verbal. Just kind of trying to like put out a calming energy and make a connection like, hey, 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 let's let's get on the same level here. Let's calm down. Yeah, I think with tune, you would have limited effects and you're in a risky position here, obviously. So if you want to give that one a roll, we'll see how it works out for us. Yeah, I'll go with Risky Limited. Do we have any harmony, by the way? You start with two. So I have an ability, Seventh Sense, where I generate harmony on risky rolls. Do I still do that if I use it? Uh, yes, you can. In this Forge in the Dark game, you can generate harmony even when you spend it, which in a lot of them you can't uh, for this type of resource, but you, you can here. Okay, yeah, exactly. So Wicked, then I will get two dice. That's a five. Okay, so let's see. On a four to five, you do it, but there's a consequence. So a complication is going to occur, and of course you can always resist consequences if you wish. So she crashes into you, but just at the last moment before she does this like spear on you, she stumbles because you are doing this calming energy that you're radiating outwards. And it seems to briefly buffet back whatever's causing this uh, rabid behavior. So she, she trips and stumbles and ends up sort of more falling into your arms than spearing you. The consequence is as you're holding on to her, you notice that her hair is not just hair. There's also these like filaments running through it. So it's a combination of blonde hair and also these white filaments. And some of those filaments start to creep up towards your face and begin to latch on to your skin. And uh, as that happens, you start to feel this 
uncontrollable rage entering into you as well. So that would put you into a desperate position. Um, How obvious is it that she is not in a good way? Uh, CJ or Imelda? Uh, CJ. I think seeing a bunch of like mushroom stems clamp onto somebody's face would probably raise alarms. Yeah. I'm trying to think. My gosh, I'm just debating if it's more interesting to let this happen. It's more interesting to let this happen. (laughs) (laughs) Just blast me with spores. (laughs) So you find yourself on the ground beneath uh, Imelda because the force of her, like she's, she's a big lady. And the uh, mycelial filaments, the fungus stuff, is growing onto you at a rapid pace, and it's sort of like mummifying you almost. Oh. You find yourself unable to move at this point as the feeling of just deep abiding rage begins to overtake your emotions. I feel like we gotta we gotta get Imelda away from our Ye- friend here. Uh, yeah, so I think I'm gonna. Do we want to group action something? There are are there still group actions in this? Yeah, yes, there are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized I'm like, <laughs> I've been playing Blades in the Dark for three years and I'm that's going to bleed over. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to uh, try well, I mean, that? I was. Uh, yeah. What, what were you thinking? So because uh, mezzanine is very much not very uh, physical, but I oh, do neither have. Am I. <laughs> but I was going to take a tech belt and one of those, uh, one of the items in a tech belt is a howl blossom, uh, which can produce a raucous howling. And so maybe like like taking out one of those and like putting it next to Imelda's ear, just kind of trying to get her off CJ. Okay. What, what skill were you going to use for that? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, probably finesse. Just trying to like get over near her without also getting entangled. Okay. Um, I can, I can aid with that to give you an extra die. I think that I can kind of like, I'll, I'll be trying to like, pull her away at the same time that you're hitting her with this thing okay um so is that still take uh take a point of stress and and yeah uh, yeah cool yeah standard aid rules excellent so you're in a desperate position i think using the sound approach here will give you standard effect okay and get a a bonus die from we everybody generates harmony on desperate right yeah yeah cool so three i'll mark that in my notes all right a two and a six Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, <kidding. laughs> I saw that too. I was like, oh, this could be good. <laughs> so you generate some uh, harmony on that. Let me just. Yeah. Could we, uh, I apologize. Uh, just a quick explanation of harmony. Mm-hmm. Let me pull it up and I will read it to you. Harmony is for gaining bonus dice. Uh, let's see here. Okay. So you can add bonus dice. One of the ways to do that is to spend harmony, which is a limited resource shared by your crew. And they find that in chapter three on harmony. Harmony. Harmony is a resource that represents your crew's understanding of both each other and their place in the world. Uh, To experience harmony is to see with perfect clarity where you are relative to your allies and your goals. This is meant in both literal and metaphorical sense. Spending harmony to clamber up a mountain might mean understanding exactly the route you need to get to the top quickly and haul your friends up after you. But spending it to convince somebody might mean seeing exactly what their insecurities are and knowing how to address them. To use harmony is to have, for a split second, perfect insight into how the world fits together and what your place in it is. So you can spend harmony during an action roll to add plus one die. You can only spend harmony once per roll unless you have the witch's charm work ability. And there are two ways to generate harmony. At the end of each downtime, you reset crew harmony to two. In addition, anytime you roll a six or critical results on a desperate action or a teamwork maneuver, 
you generate harmony. This happens even if you've spent harmony on that roll. If you're lucky enough, sometimes you'll spend harmony and immediately regenerate it. Harmony is a useful resource and tend to be used as frequently, so don't be shy about spending it. So, okay. Cool. Yes. Okay, so it's only when you roll a six yeah. on the roll. So you're at one okay, so I did not actually generate harmony. Okay, but then we yeah. just, so we're at two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, so yeah, it's you rolled a six on that, so this just works. The howler blasts the noise, and the filaments immediately just go all immediately uh, suck away from CJ and resume their spot weaved in and through Imelda's hair. And you see that Imelda is now on her back. She's convulsing from that Uh, effect of that. In the distance, the camera crew is, well, the camera is literally (laughs) running over towards you with their three-legged... Oh, no. Uh... Yeah, the Doctor, Riff, and Nebula are running behind the camera as well, trying to catch up to you because they see something exciting is happening. Oh, geez. Can I try... Hmm. I'm not sure what would be uh, the the correct skill for, like, uh, <laughs> medical care. <laughs> um, trying to make sure that she doesn't, like, hurt herself or, or get end up in a worse shape. Um would let me uh, maybe like a decipher to decipher that's kind of what i was thinking to figure out like what's wrong yeah why this is happening okay i would help with that okay so um that'll be an extra die yeah so you are still in a desperate position at this point because she's convulsing appears to be in a bad way yeah. uh, with your decipher you'll have a standard effect on this okay let me see if i've got any items that might help me hmm what is this nope <laughs> that will not oh i do have a med kit hmm. but i have to figure out what I'm, I'm figuring out what's wrong the med kit is not going to help with with that i don't think so okay so i'm just going to roll 3d6 oh no Mm. oh dear <laughs> i see i see that would be a two <laughs> yeah the yeah, other two fair. dice are ones mm-hmm. <laughs> good uh, oh dear always so happy to find ourselves in this situation uh so desperate consequences uh you overreach your capabilities and you're in serious co- uh you're in serious trouble one to three it's the worst outcome okay yeah <laughs> hmm. Hmm. okay yeah i i know what happens here so uh, what is it that you are physically doing in this moment? Honestly, I think kind of trying to start like um, basic, like, om- like almost kind of basic first aid of like trying to, to get anything that she might hurt herself on kind of cleared away from her, trying to like check like her pulse. Um, just, yeah, kind of kind of trying, trying to like get a handle on this situation but uh i i i'm not that kind of doctor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i have a doctor in history <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just, so, okay so yeah. you're you're trying to start this basic first aid stuff and you're working on it but then suddenly as you are like pressing down or something like that imelda sinks into the ground and it's not like the ground opens up and then she's pulled under and it closes again. She just sinks into the ground and the ground appears unchanged, except for a couple of mushrooms like toadstools that have grown up where she was. She has been pulled underneath the ground and there's no sign that she was there. What? Uh, Mayor, Mayor, is that something she normally can do? Uh... Can I resist that? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I just... Amelda, is she here? Yes. Yeah, I think I just, like, die for her and try to, like, grab her by the waist or shoulders, like, before she's all the way through the ground. Okay. Sounds like um, Kinesis, I think. Resistance roll for that. All right, that's a five, so I take one stress. Yes, indeed. Okay, so you grab her, and as she is sinking into the ground, you're able to grab her and hold on to her until this process ends. And what ends up happening here is you're not, like, completely 100% successful in keeping her above ground, but her upper body is now sort of sprouting out of the earth here, and her lower body has just disappeared into the ground and she's struggling and thrashing around with her upper body. And she is still looking pretty frantic. But at this point, I think the mayor steps forward and she's finally found what she was looking for in her in her pouch. And she waves this thing underneath Imelda's nose. And uh, after a few moments of that, Imelda calms somewhat and her eyes roll back down to where they were and she slows and she says, we're in a bad situation. I know, I know. I'm sorry about your legs. I wasn't able to get here in time. She looks down. Oh, that that will be fine. I'm not concerned about my legs. Ooh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, yes, we, um, <laughs> yes, this seems very, very bad. Uh, not sure if you had, were aware that the town is, is ascending into the sky. Well, it would certainly explain how the entire network has become unrooted. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. That's not good. It is not. They are furious. Okay. Um, well... And obviously in deep amounts of pain, but a mushroom feels pain differently from you or I. But the signals that it is sending are nothing I've ever experienced. They completely overwhelmed me. Okay. Good to know. Uh, did you have any indication that anything weird was going to happen? Like, were the, did the mushrooms seem disturbed? Prior to the town going up? Well, they had been producing more heat than usual, but that's the most I can say. Interesting. They did not seem to be distressed. In fact, they seemed rather pleased. Interesting. Was that from after the, the upgrade um, recently? Yeah? The upgrade certainly accelerated their heat production, but they had been ramping up before that. They believed they had found a new way to dispose of the waste product of the process. Interesting. Hmm. And um, what what is that waste product? It's a... She looks away for a moment and you notice how well-groomed she is and how well-coiffed, well, her upper body that you can see. <laughs> Very well-dressed in general. She looks extremely proper. And when she turns back, she says with distaste, it's a, a goo. <laughs> <laughs> um... Is the network still producing this this waste yeah i would assume so um how i must apologize it will be only a few more minutes before the effects of the stimulant the mayor gave me wore off and i will be back in the throes of uh, of rage so is is there anything that we, we can hurry. we can do to to help you with that like secure you so you don't hurt yourself she looks down and says i seem to be rather well secured <laughs> at the moment Fair point. Uh, how? Okay. So this, this, this mushroom network. Yes. How, how long has it been here? Uh, the camera has arrived now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb comes panting up and says, yes. How long has the network been? <sighs> what they said. Imelda <laughs> uh, looks back and forth between you and Dr. Moonlock powerbomb, which is, 
The spook snoops are here. (laughs) Very well. The mycelial network has been here since before there was a town. We are not entirely certain how it arrived, but we did make first contact with it about 20 years after it was settled by the first Isanians. Okay. Um, let me look at, uh... Do you, so you, you don't, do you know if it's, it's from the Radiant Era? It's difficult to say. Uh, the network itself does not know, and there isn't really any documentation that's been left behind. Right. Okay. Primarily, I act as a point of contact between the town and the network to ensure that our exchange continues to be equitable. Right. Um, is there a way for us to communicate with it besides you? Like if we went down into the, into the sewers, is there a way to talk to it? Normally, you could go down to the sewers and, were you a resident of Isan, commune with the network. Uh, It is difficult to understand and interpret the signals that they send. That's why you have to train to become a host, but you might be able to. Uh, At this point in the current time, I would assume that if you went down into the sewers, you would be consumed Okay. Oh, that's that's excellent information to have. Good yes, to very Good valuable. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you for for telling us that. Yes, I I would. Well, see, there's the rub, isn't it? There's clearly something going on down there. But if you go down there, mushrooms will eat you. <sighs> what about that? Uh, what was that the uh, the mayor gave you? Well, that works to give me control back over my own body okay. if the network oversteps. I do not know that it would work on the network itself. Hmm. I think if you want to try and find out more information about this, you might need to do some kind of rolls on it. Okay. Um, I guess seek information kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this might be a personal question, so I'm, I'm real sorry if this is a little uh, uncomfortable. Um, but about that waste, where does it come from? <laughs> the waste is... The byproduct of the network consuming the town's waste. It breaks down as much as it can, and in the process generates the goo. Right, but like, where is the goo? Is it just all down there in the sewer? Well, the the network uh, generally controls how the the uh the the byproduct is distributed throughout the underground. Uh, It it seeps lower down, and they have. Reservoirs and it over the time breaks down into its organic components again. That's the theory. And is it like do anything? Because you mentioned there was more of it. So, like, I'm just I'm grasping at straws before you kind of uh, go bye bye again. It's toxic. I wonder if there's something below the, the sewers that maybe it seeped into and then broke something or activated something. <sighs> We're gonna have to go down there. Your guess is as good as mine, unfortunately. All right. Uh, well, um... Well, I have a guess. Oh, boy. (laughs) I propose, and in my many years in this profession, I have rarely been wrong. Mm -hmm. I propose that this goo is in fact a type of ectoplasm that contains a supernatural element. And it has broken through into some ancient tomb and awakened a furious lich. He looks over at the camera. The camera zooms in on his face. Riff is sitting on his beetle next to the camera and he's just 
shaking his head. <laughs> I like to imagine that it zooms past the three of us just looking very nonplussed. Just like, what? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's certainly one theory. Uh, we're going to go investigate some other theories. Um, we, we're going to try to get this sorted out as fast as we can, Imelda. Uh, this seems like very unpleasant for you, and we're, we're going to try and get things settled. So just hang in there. Oh, thank you, dear. Oh, yeah, I can confirm. It, uh, it sucks extremely. <laughs> <laughs> Could I do a uh, decipher? I, I like to admit uh, that maybe like mezzanine is kind of like poking very timidly at some of the, the tendrils, maybe like switching through different lenses, trying to look at like different visual spectrums for any kind of hint as to like how the network interfaces and if there's any way that we might be able to disrupt that without hurt like actually damaging it is that yeah you can take a look okay while you're looking the mayor has come back over with like a foam wedge which he's using to <laughs> prop up imelda's oh. body so that she can <laughs> maybe take a nap or something an angry nap talking quietly to each other Daniel's holding imelda's hand and you know oh. patting at it like they're there it's we'll take care of you get you out of this floor eventually <laughs> Uh, all right, so I got a five. Okay, yeah, I mean, we're in a controlled position at this point. I should switch that back. Okay, so a five, and this is basically just a seek information kind of thing, so you get good information. Uh, you're able to, with your various lenses, see that the, uh, the network is sort of growing through Imelda's scalp, so it, like, looks like it's coming out, and, uh, from there you can also assume that it is connected to her brain in some way. So there's probably some type of uh, symbiotic element going on here. You probably have to willingly take in part of the of the network in order to form this specific uh, psychic connection with it. So it's, it's something that has grown into her and entwined itself with her, her brain and nervous system. Okay. So probably not an easy way to disrupt that without hurting her. Yeah, it's like. if you attempt to disrupt it it's either going to kill her or damage the network or hurt her very badly in some way because it's the brain okay i feel like we should i don't know how much else we're going to be able to get from folks up here i feel like maybe we should just head down into the sewers sure everybody else is on board with that i think so i think i think mezzanine's working theory is that we're working with some kind of mushroom poo rocket right now <laughs> it's a theory yeah. is, that how, is that how they would uh, put it not Imelda <laughs> I think so yeah <laughs> I'm just imagining us as we're walking out of here, like I'm pretty sure it's some kind of mushroom poo rocket and Imelda's just like god why just utterly scandalized <laughs> uh. I mean, that's, I, I can't discount that theory. It's, it's just as plausible as my theory about some kind of radiant area, air, bleh. So my theory about some kind of radiant era technology being damaged by the goo, or it might not have anything to do with the goo at all. Maybe something got overheated. Maybe mushrooms. Or like, maybe it's ghosts. <laughs> says. <laughs> oh, you look over, you see that uh, Nebula Pearl is walking beside you. Like, probably ghosts, though, right? Probably not. You don't think so? No. 
Well, the readings. And they point at the electronic thing on their chest. It's got like a dial that's swinging back and forth and like some spikes. There's definite, you know, ecto stuff here. Uh, can I take out? So one of my my uh, playbook items is a, a, a charm field oximeter, which sure. uh, measures high concentrations of transcendent energy uh, that it's, it's useful for tracking down radiant technology. Can I I have that? And I'd like to mm-hmm. see what uh, what mine is saying. <laughs> Am I getting outputs that look similar to what his device is is doing? Um, I can roll something if you need me to. Uh, You have this device, right? That's what it does. Mm -hmm. So, no, you don't have to roll to decipher your device. It's, you know, what it it does. Yeah, it's just, it's spiking. It's really spiking. Okay, this means that there's some kind of radiant technology, not not ghosts. Well, yeah, it could be radiant ghosts. They got a point. It could be radiant ghosts. I suppose. I mean, I guess it depends on your interpretation of what a ghost is. You know, what what are the the remnants of the old world left behind, if if not a sort of ghost left on this world? It's just, I was really hoping, because we were on our way to Mistral Bay, you know, the Mistral Research Collective, and we're you're supposed to be like a ghost in the bay. So we were, I was just really hoping to see a ghost for real this time. You you keep up that hope. Uh, <laughs> I pat them on the shoulder. Yeah. Maybe the real ghost is inside all along. Maybe the real ghosts are the friends you made along the way. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, my best friend is a ghost, so there's that. All right, well, we'll, we'll be following <laughs> along anyway because uh, of the waiver and the, we were hired to do the job. So let's all just hope that it's a ghost then. Okay. I give you a thumbs up and drop back to walk with uh, the doctor and the camera and riff. So many questions. <laughs> but I don't, I think we need to, okay, you know what? We're going to get the town back and then I will ask them why their best friend is a ghost. Let's go. The answer may surprise you. Okay. Are you going to narrate this whole time? Cause that's just creepy. Yes. No, I'll, I'll add it in in post, I suppose. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Aster begins power walking away from the camera. Uh, all right. So your your goal is to go in through the sewers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we want to do any research or just uh, I feel like, flashbacks? I feel like we've gotten as much info as as we can get. I mean, we got flashbacks. Yeah. We can always sounds good to me. I guess we can uh, do an engagement roll here to see how getting down to the sewers goes. Should we mark our, our load? Yeah. All right. I'm going to take a heavy load just because there's no reason not to. We're, we're going on a, a, a sewer expedition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not trying to trick anybody. Yeah. I'm going heavy into the sewer. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go normal just because I'm little. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So how are we going into the sewer here? Hmm. A good question. I'm thinking this is either a stealth or transport, depending on what your goal is. Because you got to get past those, that fungal network somehow. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm leaning towards stealth because we don't really know a, a route past the fungus. Right. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the like all the pipes and stuff down there for the sewers, like that is where the network is. I don't think there's a, a way to go get around it, probably. Yeah. Stealth makes sense. Okay. So the infiltration point, I guess, just the sewers yeah. entrance, or do you want to find a different... If they have like a like a maintenance 
um, access way. I think that's probably that might be the best. Yeah, maybe going in through the power exchanger that um, gasket. Thank you. <laughs> that mm. gasket mentioned, because maybe then we can look around there and see if anything looks weird on that end of things before heading into the rest of the sewers. I like that. It also means we're not just jumping straight into mm. mushrooms. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Play to find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the engagement roll. Yeah, the engagement roll will dictate whether or not we jump down straight into <laughs> yeah, mushrooms. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, so you start with one die for sheer luck, and then we add one for each major advantage and minus one for each major disadvantage. So is this a particularly bold or daring plan? Hmm. Eh. I think a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Is it particularly effective at accomplishing the goals or exploits a weakness in the target? Oh, Lord, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a friend or contact can help support the mission. Yeah, we, we got, we've got backup. Yeah. Uh, miscellaneous element or miscellaneous elements. Okay, so you have the support from the town. Gasket will get you there and show you the layout and stuff. Great. Uh, so that's rep two. Let's see, three foundation abilities. We don't have any of that at the moment. Major disadvantages: an overly complex plan. No. <laughs> uh, if the plan is particularly ineffective, uh, no. Rival or enemy is interfering with the mission. Okay, we'll take away one there. <gasps> and any miscellaneous elements? No. Okay, so two. Who'd like to roll the engagement? I'll do it. Okay. Two dice. Okay, four. Okay. So that starts up in a risky position. Okay. Uh, so you've gotten in down through the heat exchanger, uh, the heat power exchanger system. Uh, it's very well maintained. You can tell it is old and uh, has been in use for a long time, but it's not dirty. It's not, uh, nothing's frayed. Everything's been very polished. It's just a lot of old tech and then new stuff clutched onto it, but expertly done. You got down through there, no problem. Pried up the maintenance hatch. And this is when things get a little bit tricky because the area you dropped down into was supposed to be free of filaments, but is not. In fact, they have overgrown this area to the point where it's almost like you're entering into a thicket of fungal filaments. Each one on its own is not particularly uh, thick and they don't have spines or anything, but they're all moving around and there's a lot of them. So this is where you find yourself. You are down here and as uh, the camera crew is making their way <laughs> down through the maintenance hatch behind you. So the maintenance hatch is full there is when you see the carpet of uh, fungus here begins to shift towards you. OK. Uh, what do y'all think about just running? Through? <laughs> just just booking it fast enough that it can't get us. Uh, On the one hand, I like it. <laughs> On the other hand, we don't know where we need to run to. Or did, like, would we be able to have gotten, like, a map of the sewer from Gasket? I feel like that was part of, like, the plan. Like, just figuring out, like, okay, we'll take this route through the heat exchange uh, to connect to the sewers at some point. Yeah. But, like, do we have a layout of, of the of the sewers themselves? I think you do. Okay. Yeah, that's how you knew that this area was supposed to be relatively free from fungus. So, yeah, I guess we just, we don't know where in the sewers we need to get. I mean, I guess we, if we're following up on the goo theory, we need to find where the goo is emitted. Yeah, you could head for one of these <laughs> alleged reservoirs that Amelda mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems like a logical place to head, given our, our working theories. That makes sense. Um, I'm also going to use my, my charm field exometer. 
I'm going to use that to kind of uh, try to zero in on any kind of radiant tech down here. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. So what action are we going to do here? Do we want to do a group wayfair? I'd be happy to lead. Yeah, yeah. That seems reasonable. Sure. Okay. Um, two questions. Mm -hmm. If I take a Lotus Gambit, does that give the die to all of us? And two, what's a Lotus Gambit look like? All right. Uh, let me pull up the options here. I think if it functions the same way as it does in Blades, that you're the only one that gets the extra die. Yeah, it's it's for you. Okay. So you think of a reckless action, a foolish trade, or a fun complication, and you offer it to the players with a bonus die attached. If you can't think of one, turn to Heat. Rumors in the... Okay, yeah. But uh, Lotus Die, you can sprint through here, or you can get the extra die to sprint through here. Uh, the issue is that you will leave the TV crew behind. Is that really a loss? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. We did exchange those waivers. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. We don't want them to get eaten by the mushrooms. Uh, Important distinction is that they'll get stuck, or we can tell them, "No, y'all don't follow us. Y'all definitely can't do this." <laughs> I don't. I mean, you signed their waivers. They signed your waivers. I feel like. A man whose name is Dr. Powerbomb is not going <laughs> to listen to us. Well, that's on him. <laughs> uh, hmm. I mean, it, it is ultimately your, your, it's, it's your, uh, your, your die. So that's true. I, I am concerned for their safety despite themselves. <laughs> I'm not going to take it. They're, okay. they're bumbling, but they're not bad people. They're just... <laughs> misinformed <laughs> uh all right oh i have um, not rolled super great today i got a risky standard yeah uh yeah it's risky and standard sorry i got a two. Ooh. i also got a two <laughs> okay. okay so that's two stress <laughs> you do succeed yeah in your in your wayfair so what does this look like because it's not clean it's not like a smooth getaway here. Mm. And uh, definitely, I think. So I think it's a lot of just, you know, th there was no plan. It's just move, <laughs> move, move. Um, and CJ kind of ends up having to, like, fall back periodically, like be group dad, like just, you know, like somebody gets like a little bit stuck with tendrils and he just, you know, yanks them out and pushes them forward. Yeah. Who at least somebody trips Nebula trips um, and he doubles back and pulls them like you know like Princess carries them for a little bit and then you know gets them moving again um, and like isn't hurt but like is like very like uh, visibly disheveled <laughs> doing a lot of work to get us all through this <laughs> in one piece it is a lot of work uh, that you go through and what I'm going to do here is I am going to start and tick a clock gasp boards <laughs> in the dark baby yeah. <laughs> I'll put it here beneath the Harmony Tracker. God, what a beautiful clock. I know. That I is know. lovely. Chris, is, Chris does amazing stuff with these designs. Okay, so there you go. I put a four-step clock there and ticked it twice as a risky consequence here. Oh, dear. It's a troublesome clock, is what I can tell you about it. <laughs> oh, no. A mystery clock. <laughs> yes, a mystery clock. Everybody, you get through this section and you find yourself in a clearing in the fungi uh, approaching where this supposed reservoir is. And it makes sense that there wouldn't be as much of the fungus around the reservoir because it's toxic to them. It's their own waste. Uh, so they wouldn't hang around it the same way that we wouldn't set up a hammock in a latrine. <laughs> what is my exometer doing? Is it still beep, beep, beeping? 
It is beep, beep, beeping. I think it's, I don't want to be mean about this, but I think basically it's just static because there's so much it's overloading. Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, that's, that's useful information to have that we are surrounded by something that is transcendent energy. Um, A real important question. What's it smell like in here? (laughs) Exactly what you'd think. Um, You know, if you've, if you've smelled mushroom manure before, fungus-based manure, then you know it's terrible. There was, uh, I, I work in a high school and several kilometers away from where we are, there is a mushroom composting station where they make fungus-based compost and there have been times that this like the sulfurous smell of it has been so bad that the school has had to be evacuated because they thought maybe it was a natural gas leak in the school oh my god many kilometers away from these fields so it's an intensely powerful unpleasant sulfurous smell that you're getting in here (laughs) all right okay cj pulls up a couple more scarves over his face (laughs) (laughs) This is just going to be an extended metaphor about the importance of wearing a mask. I get it. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Powerbomb has pulled up a, a neck gaiter from amidst uh, the lace <laughs> on his on his cravat. And he's just pulled it up and it's got, you know, I, I guess it would have the Spook Snoops logo on it on the front. <laughs> but it's also lace trimmed, of course. Of course. So, okay. I have my, my special ability is that I can push myself to temporarily enhance my senses to pierce solid matter or view the past of a transcendent artifact or location. Um, Since my readouts seem to indicate that like we are surrounded by transcendent energy, I would like to push myself to see if I can like look into the past and figure out what happened here. Good idea. Sure. I, I'm I'm guessing I need to make some kind of a role for that. I, I, I feel like Decipher is probably the right one. I think you're right. Okay. I think this is still risky because you know, you're, yeah. you're still in a dangerous place here. Makes sense. Uh, and we go with the standard effect. So I know that for abilities like this in Blades where you push yourself, I get the you get the bonus die and the special effect. Is that the case with this as well? Hmm. All right. So you're pushing yourself to be able to do this thing yeah and i for um yeah i would say yes okay i'm not sure if that's rules as written but i'm gonna say yes anyway okay cool uh could i help with that um how is that because i because it's a because it's an ability i don't know if that's something i could actually that's the question how would you be helping um aster look into the past yeah i'm open to accepting help i'm just not (laughs) sure how it would work i'm okay with it if if you can tell me what, what it is could i have maybe some type of Temporal scanner? Is that a thing that maybe I could have? Is it on your gear sheet? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think there are things you could do to assist with this, but it would be like more in the the lane of you know, creating a safer or more comforting area so that they can focus. Something along those lines. Yeah, moral support more than <laughs> than anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Maybe just kind of like making sure that they don't get too close to the fungus or the reservoir. And yeah, because what I'm what I'm envisioning for how this looks is that so like my eyes are normally just like a solid black. And when I'm I'm doing this, looking into the past or looking through things like the uh, it's sort of not not exactly like little like TV screens or anything, but there's just like flashes of color and light and images like too fast for anybody looking at my eyes to understand what's happening. But like. So I, I can't see my, my actual surroundings. So maybe you're just kind of helping me navigate safely. I like that. 
That makes okay. sense to me. Cool. So I will bump that up to 46 then because I get one for push myself and one for help and I have two in the skill. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. A six and then three threes. Three threes. <laughs> okay. But I will take it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look into the past to try to figure out what, what happened here? Why, why are the mush? Why, why are we flying? <laughs> okay. So yeah, you can sort of replay the past couple of days in, in what you're looking at here. And you can see the way that the mushrooms are draining their waste into the reservoir. And you see the reservoir, not this one that you're above, but a different one in a different part of the sewer bursts. Oh no. And it bursts through into some type of large open space beneath the reservoir, which is already was fairly far underground. And like the mycelial network doesn't really have eyes, so you can't really see what it is, but you can sense that the draining of the waste goo into this large open space, it doesn't fill it up, but it, it's making a mess down there and the, the toxic qualities of it and other perhaps unknown qualities of this waste product, something happens in that big room that causes uh, the town to begin levitating and rip out of the ground which leads to the mycelial network being severed from a large portion of its, uh, of its fungal mat, which has led to its current state of panicked uh, pain and rage. I don't, know how, I don't know how far back you want to look if you want to keep looking further back. but um, <laughs> They want to keep looking further back to figure out where the hell this thing came from, but hmm. uh, they don't have time. <laughs> Maybe when the town is back on the ground, they can come down and have a nice calm chat with the mushrooms. But right <laughs> now we, we have we have bigger things to deal with. So I think they, they blink several times and their eyes go go back to that solid black and they're like, um, we, we need to we, we need to go this way. Uh, the one of the reservoirs burst and just flooded into some kind of space. Uh, but it's th this way, this way. And I'll start heading off and you know, the direction that I, I saw that this happened. Nebula has like one of their handheld devices and is like scanning you while you're doing this thing. Like, wow, Zoinks, that's really impressive. <laughs> Are you sure you're not a ghost? <laughs> pretty, pretty sure. I, I'm not, oh boy. I don't think synthetics can listen. That's going to, that I, I got, I studied history, <laughs> not philosophy. The nature of the soul is a little outside my, my sphere of, uh, study. So I'm not going to weigh in on that one. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm not a ghost though. Dr. Powerbomb appears next to, uh, next to them and puts his hand on their shoulder and says, come my young apprentice, we will discuss these matters more in depth as we approach the belly of the beast and they're falling back and they're having this philosophical discussion about the nature of the soul and <laughs> ghosts in the machine and so on and the cameras uh watching that as it goes but you uh you notice aster that the camera some of their lenses repeatedly start drifting back to you like the majority of those lenses remain focused on uh the doctor and nebula but it's like almost like z can't helps herself from looking over at you uh since you've done this feat mm -hmm. of uh looking into the past all right i'll have to talk to the camera later <laughs> uh okay so 
we want to get through this uh, dangerous zone to get to where you want to be. Do we want to just do a, a roll for that and then skip over the lengthy get to this reservoir in the sewer area? Yeah, I think a, a, a roll to, to make that trek. Sure. Uh, do you want to do a group action? Yeah, that feels... Yeah, I've still got... I'm still pretty good on stress. <laughs> yeah, I've got three, so I'm I'm doing okay say um wayfair or shadow either one could work here or if you want to hack your way through you could do a skirmish we do Depends not want to hurt take. the mushrooms it's i want to have all <laughs> options on the table uh i don't have anything in shadow so i i wayfair would be better for Neither. me yeah wayfair is better for me we're not a stealthy group <laughs> <laughs> okay so who was gonna lead yeah i'll lead okay all right, just gonna. What's a lotus gambit, or would it be the same? <laughs> uh, no, I don't want to use the same lotus gambit again. For the lotus gambit, I will fill this clock. Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna take yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, gotta find out what happens when the mystery clock mm-hmm. fills. That's right. Uh, okay. Mystery clock. I'll roll my okay. four, four. God, okay, okay. So I'm really glad I managed to get that one six. Good lord. <laughs> Aster is. Is having a tough time, I but uh, fortunately, CJ's there to help him through. Uh, all right, so you got two fours and a one there, so I will fill the clock as promised. You hear, as you approach the burst reservoir, a massive crashing, booming sound from below you. And then there is a the sound of air whistling out of something. So something big's going on down there, uh, which is that big clock that we filled up. As to the consequence here, I think... Uh, you get to the uh, reservoir and because there's this big crash that's happened below you and the whistling air from beneath, you are dropped into a desperate situation as the edges of the ground down here give way <gasps> and you are sent tumbling down into this large unknown chamber below. Oh no. Unless, of course, you want to resist. Well, I mean, we had to get down there somehow. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this. Yeah, we're, we, yeah. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> this is fine. Listen, de- desperate situations are how we generate more harmony. It's, mm-hmm. it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Poor camera. Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> yeah, I think as the camera crew are falling down, Riff is fine because his beetle just... <laughs> and flies him over and they stick onto one of the walls that they find. Dr. Powerbomb is actually really heroic in this moment. Like he's he's a goofy idiot, but he manages to grab both the camera and Nebula and is able to step onto bits of debris that are also falling, like make steps on the way down there and then land like on the ground <laughs> carrying the camera and uh, and Nebula. I don't know why I can't remember the name Nebula. It's not difficult. <laughs> and he lands there and, and sets them down, just pats them both on the head and it's like... Don't worry, I take these waivers seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so how do the three of you make your way down? You're falling, of course. Well, but... on a two, mm. I feel like there's a lot of screaming and flailing. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of harm would it be to just fall? I think it's going to be level two. Something is probably oh, going to break. Oof. I can resist that, though. I'll take that. I think I'm. I think I am very ungraceful in this moment. Okay. Yeah. If there's if there is harm coming in, I'm gonna roll to resist it. Okay. So that would be uh, kinesis to roll to resist the level two harm. Okay. Broken something. Your choice. 
Uh, all right, I have two in that. Okay, four. So I take two points of stress. Okay. I will resist. Yeah, you bounce uh, and roll. Nothing breaks. You you fortunately land in a pile of dirt that has also fallen down. Yay, dirt. Can I wayfair to just do like sick anime jumps off of rubble? If this weren't a resistance roll, you could. I mean, that might still be the result of your resistance roll, but... Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, this is the... It's a thing that's happening, so you need to either resist it. Oh, okay, okay. I understand, I understand. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to mark armor, Okay. Uh, which would reduce that to level one harm, if I'm correct. It's just going to negate it in this case. Oh, okay. It's cool, not something cool. actively trying to hurt you. It's just you're falling. Okay. So if the armor has some kind of built-in system for dealing with that, that's great. Yeah, I think it's just got like uh, some... Like microfiber shock absorption or something like that. Okay, awesome. So it's kind of like out of tune now that like I've made, taken a, a fall this this hard. But. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to uh, fall and, and like land on my arm really hard and break my arm. Hello. All right. <laughs> I keep that uh, in mind going forward. Yep. Actions that would require you to use that arm would uh, be at minus one die. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, welcome to the big empty chamber. It's dark, but there is a big hole nearby uh in the ground of this thing and the ground is otherwise surprisingly flat uh so almost as if it is a constructed floor rather than a natural thing Uh, and there's a big hole in it and there is a huge thing coming in through the hole and there's another huge thing on the floor that appears to be getting into a big fight with the huge thing and these things are really really huge but it's kind of dark and the only light currently is intermittent light from the hole in the floor. Um, can I... So there's a survival pack that includes a flashlight. Do I need to mark the whole thing just to have a flashlight or... Mm, I think mark it, but keep in mind that you're only using part of it right now. Okay. So anything else that would be in the survival kit you can still use. Okay. Uh, yeah, then in that case, I'm going to turn on my flashlight and okay. aim it at this whole situation Yeah. to better illuminate what's happening. I think as you're doing that, Echo Lambda 4 also lights up with <laughs> like a variety of flashes that pop out in different parts of their head. And so there's illumination from that and from the, uh, from the flashlights and the flashlight. Uh, and you can see there is a sort of a titanic kaiju battle going on in what appears to be some type of ancient factory. You can see, what's the word I'm looking for? Conveyor belts, which are part of assembly lines and conveyor belts with like robotic limbs and things that are not currently moving. There's catwalks, several layers of catwalks going around the walls, some going back and forth. Fortunately, you missed landing or smashing into any of them as you fell down here. That would have been bad. Uh, It looks like this is some huge factory floor where some big things were manufactured. And the thing that is inside battling with the thing that is outside trying to get in, the thing that is inside is this huge, looks like, well, it looks like a very large lion. If you made a lion out of junk. So it's got like, instead of a mane, it has like these uh, jagged bits of metal and rock sticking out from behind its face that has like razor blades for jaws and the tail is some type of cable tipped with a torch that's burning at the moment just lots of metal and rock debris and junk and so on making up this creature the other thing trying to get in looks like maybe it's a dragon 
question. Are, are dragons a, a normal thing that we encounter in, in our in our world? They exist. Okay. Um, you wouldn't normally encounter them. Okay, but it's not, it's not like we're going, huh, that's a thing from a storybook that's fighting its way in here. We'd be like, oh, that's a dragon crap. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, it's seeing a thing that you know, you know of, but probably no one you know has ever seen. <laughs> I think there's just a moment where, like, with one hand I'm holding up the flashlight and the other one I pull up my... It's, it's that scene in, uh, um, in Into the Spider-Verse where... <laughs> Miles just holds up his phone <laughs> to record <laughs> the Spider-Man <laughs> Prowler fight. It's it's that, but I'm I'm holding my flashlight in one and just slowly holding up the tablet <laughs> to record it in the other. <laughs> Cause if I don't record this, nobody's gonna believe me. <laughs> yeah, these creatures don't seem to have noticed you, fortunately, yet. Excellent. But you are in a desperate position because you are in amongst the feet of battling giants in an old factory that's got a hole in it. And you can see that the like the the catwalks and the machinery and stuff, everything's shaking. There's dust and debris falling from the ceilings and the walls. This place was built to build things, not house King of the Monsters style duels. Okay. So this is why we're in a desperate position. Yeah. Huh. You hear uh, from the wall higher up, you can you can see Riff is up there and he's just shouting, Echo, Echo, you're, you're getting this, right? You record Echo, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and Echo Lambda 4 is most of their lenses are on on the fight. But again, those some of them keep drifting around looking at other parts of the facility and particularly over at Aster again and again. Huh. Okay. Can I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that my, my exometer is still just going completely off the charts. Yeah. I mean, like a spring flies out of it. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Put that away. Um, Likewise, Nebula is the thing on their chest. They're like trying to get it off. They're like, oh, it's, it's, because you can see there's smoke rising oh, no. from it. Like, oh, trying to get it off themselves can as quickly as possible. I... Giant ghost, giant ghost. <laughs> I want to, I kind of want to try to tune because that like this, this seems like, you know, align your senses to the exotic force that forces that underlie the material world. That seems like what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Just, I, I, I just, I want to figure out what is, what, what's animating <laughs> this robo lion. I think okay. the, the dragon, I, I don't think I can really deal with right now. Um, <laughs> just gonna, one, one thing at a time. Um, what is a, a Lotus Gambit on this roll? Ah, that's a good question. So I only I'll have take... one in tune. <laughs> so that four step clock, if it weren't obvious, was the arrival of the dragon there. Yeah. Oh, the dragon hasn't been here. No, it just arrived. That I was that see. big crash and boom when you got okay. here. Okay. It's trying to get inside that that much is obvious from the battle. It's, you see mostly the dragon's like head and neck and it's like its head is um, crescent shaped and it's got like a mouth in the middle. So like the crescent goes like this and it's got if I could draw this right now, I would, but I don't really have anywhere to do it. Um, but like an axe shaped head, crescent axe shaped head. Like a big beak. Yeah. With an eye on each side of it and then the mouth in the middle. Every time it opens its mouth, you see there are teeth in there, but it's, there's also some sort of energy that's building up inside its throat. Uh-oh. 
You can't really see the rest of it. It's red and orange in color, and it looks like it's got uh, four wings out there, and you can see the claws keep trying to scratch its way in. Okay. Yeah, I want to figure out what's up with this lion thing, because maybe we need to help the lion thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got a thought on the dragon, too, but uh, you go ahead. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, what would a Lotus Gambit be for, for a tune roll right now? Right. You will lose track of Echo Lambda 4. <gasps> and that will be a problem. I mean, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, man. Mm, you know what? Yeah. Let's let's complicate this situation even more. Why not? <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me... F in the chat for Echo Lambda 4. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh my god. (laughs) My players are going to listen to this and just feel extremely vindicated because of all the times that I've given them crap for their terrible rules. That is a pair of ones, dear listeners. So uh, I I beefed that about as hard as I could. All right. And we're in a desperate situation. Yeah. Uh, So the worst outcome. I have a, a a thought. It's not a fully formed thought, but I think that I just I just wander over towards this thing and get way too close to this lion. Yeah, okay. Get in the robot, Aster. <laughs> or Echo Lambda will have oh, to. No. <laughs> yeah, you're you are much too close to the lion, and I think the lion's sweeping tail slams into you. Oh no. And you are swept towards the dragon. Oh, no. <laughs> like you're swept out of the factory area towards where the dragon is. So let's see. what. How would I represent this mechanically? Um, is, it, is it that I'm taking harm or is it that I'm about to fall out the hole? Well, I can't reduce your position anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you're already desperate. So I'm just I'm looking at these here for a minute. Uh, I'm trying to think if there would be a, a clock of like, maybe I have been, I'm also like clinging to the edge now. And there's a clock for yeah. me being able to pull myself up or somebody else being able to pull me back up with that. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's what we're going to go with. So I'm going to go with, let's see, one controlled and one risky consequence here. So the risky consequence, I'm going to start that clock for you falling out the hole. Yeah. And we'll take it there. Okay. So that clock, that new four-step clock has got one tick in it. Okay. If that clock fills, then Aster falls out the hole. And you will also take the level one harm bashed from getting hit by the lion's tail. Yeah, I'm just going to take that. Okay. Can I protect? You can. Yes, you can. I'm just going to run in and throw myself in the way of the tail. I've been hit by big reptile tails <laughs> a lot in my life. It's fine. I'm reckless, so <laughs> all harm I take acts as if it was one level lower. So level one harm is basically nothing. Okay. I think, and but I... Do you I want s- to resist the clock? Because if it's not Aster falling out, then it's you instead. Um... No offense, Aster, uh, but I'm going to leave them hang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I'm good with that. I, I like that because I can see where like maybe you, you tackle me out of the way of the tail, but then I stumble and go out the hole. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I, I, I like that. I, I like she acts as like a buffer. So she yeah. gets in the way. And mm-hmm. so the the actual pain of the impact slams into into him. But then. You are like a pinball effect. Yeah. You're still like <laughs> flung forward. <laughs> Off I go. The transferred kinetic energy yep. goes through them and into you. And I'm just hanging out in this hole next to this dragon. 
Yeah, you're like clinging. I want. I kind of want to say you're clinging on to one of the dragon's claws. <laughs> on the one hand, this is terrifying. On the other hand, I'm just like, I've. I'm touching a dragon. Been, <laughs> oh my! I don't know anybody who's been this close to a dragon before. <laughs> I have to memorize everything about it. Why don't I have cameras in my eyes? <laughs> uh, Why didn't my parents give me those? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna say that I brought a jump kit, and I'm going to like anchor to one of the big machines with like a like a, a guideline, and then I'd like to use like one of the grappling hooks, kind of like a like a hook shot from Zelda and try to yes. get to um, Aster as quickly as possible and then use okay, that one to pull us both back. Yes. So while you're setting up your desperate, it'll be st- uh, standard effects. I want to say okay. on this um, while you're setting that up, uh, Aster, you did still get a glimpse from your, from your attempt at tuning there. Mm-hmm. There is a, you can see like a small but intense core of, transcendent radiant energy in the like very midst of the lion's chest okay it's like seems to be extending tendrils of energy to the surrounding debris but there's some core in there that has a powerful radiant signature okay i feel like we should help the lion i think that as i'm clinging onto this dragon help the lion Okay. Um, um, so and we've lost, to, we've lost track of our, our camera yeah. also, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Echo, Echo has disappeared. Nobody knows where Echo Lambda 4 is right now. Great. So I'm going to push myself to make up for my broken arm. Um, is that... Oh no, bud! <laughs> is that that's too stressed to push? Yeah, okay. too stressed to push. Okay, so that'll leave me with... Uh, sure, what's, what, is, what does a lotus look like here? I don't know if you can push yourself and get a lotus. Oh, might be. Am I again? I am. Yeah, I think it's either or. Oh, it's either. Or. Okay, it's either or. Yeah, it's on the character sheets. You could. Could you spend harmony? You could spend harmony. We have okay. one. Yeah, if you're good, that would give me two. Yeah. All right. That's... Five. Okay. And that's better than nothing, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I'll take five. I'll take five <laughs> all day. Uh, okay, so your, you know, your your attempt works here. I am going to. Oh, I did this clock wrong, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. Too late for that. Uh, I'm going to reduce this clock back to zero. So you are you are still clinging onto the dragon's leg, but now there is a line like a hookshot connected to you. Okay. So you're you're still dangling, but there's there's hope to get out of that position. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, as a consequence, the dragon notices you. Me or the general you? Ah, Us collectively. Got it. Great. Good. Wonderful. While this is happening, I I don't want to make it seem like I've completely ignored the poor spook snoops. I think Dr. Powerbomb is climbing the the wall with Nebula hanging onto his back. And he's like climbing up towards the catwalks to try and find a more secure ground. And he's also trying to figure out where the camera has gone. Uh, Likewise, Riff is still shouting, Echo! Echo Lambda Lambda 4! Echo Lambda 4! Can you? How can you not be recording this? You can see Riff is holding up like a... a te- well, he can't actually do that. Riff has a tablet stand on the front of the beetle <laughs> that uh, he has put his tablet into. And it's like recording, but it's like grainy. Yeah. Doesn't have the lights. And so he's very upset by this whole situation. Okay. Where was I? The dragon notices you. Okay. Uh, so the, dragon, the dragon's eye rotates. The one that's on the side that you are on, Aster, rotates down 
to see Aster and Mezzanine. And CJ, where are you at this point? Um, so I think I probably got like, you know, I took like just the brunt of this big tail uh, to the chest. So I probably like thrown over a little bit. Um, you know, I rolled, but I'm not near like the edge. Uh, so I like pick myself up, uh, dust myself off. Um, I give it like, give the dragon like a kind of, you know, like a respectful look. Like, yeah, all right, all right. You got me. <laughs> And I like rummage around uh, in my like pockets uh, in the you know folds of my layers, and I pull out a small little whistle, um, you know, very bright, shiny silver. And I, or not not a whistle, uh, a little flute. And I start playing it. And I would like to mark my wildlife charm. Okay. A small device that emits an energy which catches the attention of local creatures and spirits. You can modulate the frequency to attract or banish, but you have no control over what you bring in or push away. And I'm parsing this as I have a flute and I can just, you know, kind of tune myself to play melodies that either attract or repel. And I would like to try to get the dragon to back off from us. Okay, so you want to do this. We'll we'll have to do some type of action uh, for this. Mm-hmm. If you want to repel a dragon with your flute, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the the floor on that is no effect, but that's not the ceiling. Okay, so you can take different ways to improve your uh, effects. But to begin with, because this is a dragon, the the floor on that is no effect. Okay, okay. So we're starting at desperate none. Yeah. What's the lotus gambit? The lion notices you too. Okay. I'm fine with this. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can I aid to improve the effect? Uh if you can, yeah, sure. How I, uh, I, I hear because we've we've worked together a little bit, so I've probably heard you do this before. So I, I can add my voice to the the flute that you're playing. I can kind of harmonize with your your flute playing, and I will I will try to sing this dragon away. Cool. So that will bring you up to desperate limited, and you're using a lotus gambit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what action are you doing here? Do you think? I think this sounds like tune. It sounds like tune to me as well, and not just because you're carrying one. <laughs> hey, that's good. I got nice. Yay! All right, so we're back to one harmony uh, with a six. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a six, and you, between your uh, your flautist abilities and uh, Aster's harmonizing, the dragon begins to pull its claws out of the hole in the factory floor and its eye, which was focusing down on Aster and you and uh, Mezzanine, swims back over to look at the lion and then the factory beyond it and then back down to the three of you and the dragon begins to retreat from the hole that it formed in the floor of the factory here. But as it goes, you hear uh, the dragon's voice in your head as this dragon can communicate telepathically. And the dragon says... Are you sure you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> me, still like is this a- halfway holding on to the, the thing and halfway holding on to the dragon. Me. Is this like just my head or all of our heads? The three of you. Okay. You find yourself, you find yourselves uh, in like a conference call. <laughs> <laughs> With a dragon. Ma- With a dragon. May- maybe we, oh, do you know why the town is flying? Oh, yes. I know why the town is flying. Care, care to elaborate and share with us? Because that's why we're down here. We need the town to not be flying anymore. We need it to go back where it came from, gently. That would make things difficult for me. Because oh. I need to get in here. 
And if the town goes back down, then I'd have to like destroy the town. Why? Why do you need to get in here? Oh, my stuff is here. I was born here. You're kind of burying the lead, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> What I okay? Do you know what this lion thing is and why it's trying to to attack you? I have no no. Okay, it's I just trying to get in. Like like I said, my stuff is here. What what's okay? You know what? That's actually a less important question. Um, could you move your your hand a little bit so I can get back in? I'm kind of about to fall to my death here. Oh, that wouldn't be good. No. Uh, and the dragon, it moves its claw a little bit further into the factory with you on it. <laughs> you jump off and the lion is, is batting at that paw as well. And it's like, oh, stop it. Quit it. Ah. Okay. 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 So we need to get the lion to back off. Uh, okay. All right. Does anybody have any flutes that work on robots? <laughs> and I'm, I, let me look at my abilities here. Oh man, I forgot I had this. I actually have a documentary drone. <laughs> uh, I probably deployed that when I came in here rather than my tablet. Uh, so I think that's been ho- hovering and recording. Zero stress flashback. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, but I'm looking to see what what stuff I have. I don't think I... Uh, do we need to get rid of the lion or maybe just stop it from hurting people? Yeah. I'd rather not get rid of it. it. It's something there's there's a radiant core to it. Well, I have I have some fused resin. Um, if I could get it under their feet, it would fuse their feet to the factory floor. They wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to part it without a neutralizer. OK, that would work. Does anybody have any idea how to get under the lion's foot and not get crushed? Yeah, I, I can do that. <laughs> Do you want me to leave this call or? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. We, we definitely, we could use your, your help in this. I want to see if there's anything I can do. Okay. So man, I am getting real high on stress. <laughs> I also have, so my other charm site thing is I can, I don't know if looking through solid matter is going to help because I already have, we already, I already know that this thing has a radiant core. Yeah. I mean, you could see the core, but yeah, you, that, you know it's that, there. Yeah, I don't think that would help. I'm trying to think of... Yeah, I'm just looking at all the, the exciting gear we have here. Yeah, that's not going to do the trick. I'm looking at the charm work tools. Minor disruption of transcendent phenomena. We need major <laughs> disruption. Yeah, that seems like the best bet of trying to glue this thing down. I don't really have a good way to help with the... Uh, so what's your, sorry, what's your minor disruption ability? That's just, I have a chart, like, that's just part of my inventory is I have a charm work kit that I could probably make a tune roll with if I wanted to try to disrupt the, the okay. lion, but I don't. If you're thinking seriously about this, the dragon will help you. Oh, maybe we can do a joint thing. Maybe, uh, are there still like setup actions? There are setup actions. Uh, I could also count the dragon helping you as like an increase in uh, effect. Well, because what I was thinking is that maybe the dragon and I can like disrupt the lion enough that mezzanine and CJ can get this this fuse stuff down under its its feet. OK, so, mm. yeah, we, we do a setup action. Yes, we, we have setup actions. for Yeah. Sure. So if we do a setup action to, to put you all in a better position. OK, so set up another character with your action. If you succeed, any players who follow up get plus one effect or improve position. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do that. Let me mark okay. that I have a charm work kit or tools. 
The dragon's attention focuses on your charm work tools there. You can feel it sort of sharpening its attention on you. And it says, oh, that's cute. <laughs> and Listen. Begins, sur- energy begins to surge through. You can feel it surging through your body into your charm kit there. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... What, what is the dragon doing for me mechanically in terms of help? Uh, so it will increase your, uh, your effect because uh, as it would be you attempting to take on this giant monster would yeah. be no or limited effect. So uh, I think this will put you at standard effect for your setup action. Okay, cool. Disrupting it. Still desperate though? Uh, unfortunately, yes. That makes sense. Okay, well, here we go. Part of the cards. Five. Five. Hey, I'll take better it. Than, better than the average we've gotten. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a two. <laughs> it's not a two. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I'll have a five on that then. Okay. So working together, what's your what's your goal for this to accomplish? What do you envision it doing to the creature? Uh, kind of like a stun effect, like I, I or or dazing it, something so that it's not going to be able to move to step on my friends while they're putting stuff down um or actually maybe it's more of like like it 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 makes it look like there's something in front of its eyes so it kind of like sits back and like like a cat pawing at its face (laughs) and so then you two can just like zip in and put this stuff down so when it puts its paws back down on the ground it'll be stuck okay is my is my thinking i like that yeah i think that works uh as intended And I think the consequence here is that the dragon's energy running through the conduit of your body burns out some important stuff. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, fair. (laughs) But, Um, oh, no. (laughs) Which would be a level three harm. Oof. Uh, The level three harm would be short-circuited. Oh, no. Um, man. Okay, I only have three. You know what? It's a one shot. What, what do I <laughs> drive him like you stole him? Uh, what do I need to roll to resist that? That's a good question. I think. I mean, it, um, I have two dice and everything, so it's really more of a yeah. semantic question. I guess the question you is. You can mark armor. Oh, yeah. Wood armor. Well, do I have room for armor? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, I could do armor. Yeah, that would wrap it down to a level one. Okay. Arm. I will do that then. I always okay. forget about armor. <laughs> okay so i'm assuming this armor is more like insulation or like uh, fail safes that you have yeah backup brain (laughs) (laughs) my my eyes go the the uh blue screen of death blue for a second and then just like (laughs) um so level one harm shocked yeah okay okay then you just see the dragon say oh whoopsie doodle sorry about that (laughs) um, i'm good that's Wow, that felt weird. The giant lion is briefly stunned. You have a window to do your action to get that stuff down there in a desperate position at standard effects. Would it still be desperate? Because I thought that the setup action was to to bump them up to a better position. Is it position or effect? I think it I think can, it be, can either. be either. I was I was hoping to get them into a better position. Okay. Okay. So the desperate position was because there were giant monsters fighting and the factories falling apart. One of the monsters is no if longer. If the monsters fun. are currently not fighting, yeah. so we can we can bump it to risky for that. Okay, for sure. Cool. So it'd be risky limited then. I want to hang out and talk with this dragon <laughs> after this is all done. So then I'll use I'll use my hotfix ability 
uh, okay. spend harmony to modify, upgrade, or sabotage technology. Plus one impact. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So plus one impact. So that'll bring you up to the impact improves your uh, effect, basically. Okay. Yep. So I think that I kind of just I craft the resin into like these little um, packets that are like would be quick and easy to deploy. Okay. Particularly like on the run. And then um, I guess probably do this as like a group action. Yeah. Do we want to do another group wayfair or do you have anything else in mind? If it's just the two of you, it might be better if one of you assists the other. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got two in Wayfair, but I'm open to... This might be shape. As I say, yeah, it seems like it could be shape for me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. You alter existing technology or craft new things from desperate parts. Mm -hmm. Disparate parts, pardon me. Okay. And then, yeah, and then if CJ wants to help out by, like, maybe helping me get around because I'm little. Yeah, I'm like, little. I, I'm giving advice, like, no, 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 go that way, go that way, or, like... Yeah. <laughs> Eyes <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> I, <laughs> I tackle a leg to throw it off balance, that kind of thing. Nice. Okay. okay. Uh, so that'll give me three. Ooh, right, a six. And a one. <laughs> All right, very good. Yeah, well, we got the six. That's the important part. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the lion creature, just as it is coming out of its stun, your packets solidify under its paws, and uh, its poor little jagged toe beans can't lift themselves <laughs> from the ground. I feel bad. <laughs> it just, it opens its mouth, and you hear this roaring sound come out of it. It's thrashing back and forth, trying to move, but it cannot do so at the moment. This, unfortunately, does mean the factory is still shaking itself apart with assistance. But we're going to keep ourselves in a risky position because the kaiju battle has ceased for now. So the dragon's like, okay, well, now I guess I just need to kind of squeeze in there without getting bitten too much. All right, let's see what I can. So the dragon is trying to squeeze in past the thrashing lion head, which isn't going super well, but it does give the three of you a minute to regroup. Think about what you want to do next. Where's the, the camera crew? Where are the, the TV crew? Where what are they doing? Are they okay? They have at this point made their way back up to the hole that you fell through. Good. Great. That's like, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Smartest thing they've done all day. Uh, still no Echo Lambda 4. Still, no still yeah. missing an action. Um, okay. And you're still rising. Yeah. Can I roll trace to look for lambda four yeah you can i sure. if that's your concern right now <laughs> <laughs> i want to the, the dragon the dragon said that it knew why we were rising right yes okay uh if, if we're still on that psychic conference call uh i would like to ask why we're why are we rising you look over and you see the dragon uh you know it has one of its claws is like holding the lion's head back and it's trying to shimmy its way like <laughs> trying to shimmy its way through the hole it's like oh um well as far as i can tell something has damaged the containment tanks for the levitation fluid here in the factory levitation fluid okay can you point us in the direction of those maybe well i mean that's where i'm going great like my stuff is here that's my stuff oh oh that's fantastic so you want to take the stuff that's making us float away yeah I have to float too. Okay, great. It's been a long time since my last recharge, so. Okay, great. This is this is great. Happy to help. If you take it away, are we going to just plummet? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we'd probably have to set up like a siphon or something like that. Yeah, let's, you know what? Let's get you to those tanks. We'll see Ow. what we're Ooh, dealing with. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> let's get you to those tanks. We'll see what we're dealing with and we will, we will figure something out. Sure. Great. <laughs> 
yeah, I think what it was complaining about was it, it finally wiggled its way into the factory and like the lion bit its tail. Onto it. <laughs> but, un- but fortunately, he's able to free free its tail. Unfortunately, it does that by blasting a laser into the side of the lion's head. So the lion's head kind of explodes. So it's no longer holding the dragon's tail. Uh, the lion slumps down and begins to, the bits of it begin to detach one from the other. I'm going to like run over and try to find the thing that was powering it. I want it. As you are digging your way through, you feel like a tingly spider sense thing. And uh, you look up towards the hole in the floor and there's Echo Lambda 4. (laughs) What? (laughs) Echo Lambda 4 is standing at the edge of the hole leading to the outside with all of their lenses focused on you. And Uh, Echo? Hung underneath it in a bit of a net is you see the radiant core from the lion. Echo? And Z says, it was very interesting meeting you, Aster. The next time you get a chance, please do come and meet Keening Query. She sends her regards. What? Uh, Echo Lambda 4 at this point toddles backwards and falls out of the hole in the bottom of the factory. <laughs> I think I like kind of instinctively lunge uh, towards it. Um, what, what do, is it like just in free fall or is it like? As he has a parachute that pops open. Incredible. Um, <laughs> do I do I recognize that name? Keening Query is the uh, shattered artificial intelligence that is uh, in charge of the Keening Echoes. Each one of these bodies is connected to the central artificial intelligence. She is always trying to find the lost pieces of herself. She's got lots of different goals. One of her goals lined up with getting something from this factory. Thus, Echo Lambda 4. Nice. (laughs) Aster's eyes are just huge. (laughs) Unfortunately, you weren't able to get that radiant core uh, when you lost lost track of uh, Echo Lambda 4. That's what uh, Z was getting. That's okay. Okay. uh, So you make your way through the factory and the dragon is able to direct you to the facility where the fueling would happen and when you can see that there is this glowing electric blue fluid that's seeping out of these containers and uh, the reason that it's seeping out of these containers is that the containers have been corroded by the goo that has been dripping down on top of them from the reservoirs above so this is mystery solved in that case a whole series of complications have led to this radiant facility powering up in a way that perhaps it should not have. So we need to figure out a way to get this levitation fluid to the dragon, but also keep enough that we can descend gently and carefully. Right. You need some kind of siphon system that will, uh, maybe you can do this like, um, you know how they refuel aircraft in flight? Mm -hmm, (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is a, a mezzanine. Yeah, I'd say if there's, it's, I mean, it sounds like there's a, a, a lot of material around, like setting up some type of um, like system of hoses and pumps to, to mm-hmm. do kind of that aerial refueling sort of thing would be something I, I could figure out. I think we're coming up on time, so I don't know if we really need to roll on this part because it's basically controlled. If anyone tried to start trouble, there is a dragon with you. <laughs> <laughs> that helps, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're able to cobble together enough length of hose from the sort of corroding, rotted remains that are in this ancient uh, Radiant Era factory that you can set up a pump that will 
in uh, in specific amounts of time pump the fuel into the dragon and uh, the dragon it goes back out the hole not before you have to open up a hatch on its like left haunch and you see that there's like a fueling port in there gotta chunk get it in there uh yeah so it heads back out and before, before the dragon goes i would yep. like to ask what its name is oh so nice of you to ask my name is a reasonable excuse for dropping by unannounced you can call me reasonable excuse for short well it's very nice to meet you this was a very scary but also very wonderful day i've never met a dragon before this is great and i've never met an aster <laughs> <laughs> well now now we both have done something special and unique today i'm glad we were able to help you out me too i wouldn't want all the people living on that town to die i mean sure if push came to shove <laughs> Ta! (laughs) (laughs) Pops out the hole and all four of its large wings unfurl. And as the fuel is pumping into it, it's sort of, you see there's like a central section of this dragon. It just sort of like expands, balloons up as it's being filled up with the fuel in the, in its fuel bladders. It's clear that this is not an organic creature (laughs) and, you know, some type of radiant era relic. Okay. Is there anything else you want to do in this factory? I mean, Aster's definitely coming back down here once the town is settled. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are rummaging. But right now, no. (laughs) Yeah, Mezzanine is going to take apart every single thing that that they can find. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, for sure. I guess you're able to, like, set up a a camp down here and, and return back to it. The town... Gradually, you're able to set up your pump really well. Gradually settles back down, mostly into the uh, hole it left. You know, there's been some drift, but you know, you do what you can. And uh, unexpected excuse helps to kind of tug it and push it in the right direction. Much to the delight of the people of the town, especially the children, because hey, it's not every day you see a dragon coming and you know pushing your town around without it being a problem. <laughs> yeah, it settles back down, back up to the surface. You can see they're doing the the sign-off, the ending portion of the Spook Snooze episode that will go on to become one of the most watched things in the history of television, even though people will continue to argue for years and decades to come over whether any of it actually happened and so on. Imelda is released once the uh, mycelial network begins to reconnect to the remains of the fungal mat, and you have accomplished your task. Woo-hoo. Yay. I have my, my documentary Woo. drone recorded a lot of it, but I never release that footage. <laughs> I just take that back to the university. I'm like, guys. <laughs> uh, I think you all get medals from uh, Daniel Wiley, including the crew of the Spook Snoops. Uh, and all of this is on camera. They get, you know, a new camera. It was just a person holding it this time. And it, this this is clearly just set up for PR for both the town and for the show. Like the medals you saw Riff give the medals to Danya to give to you. (laughs) (laughs) Such a scam, but (laughs) yeah, once that's done. Does Riff ask for the medals back after the the filming is done? (laughs) Actually, we, we, we got to take those, uh, you know, budgets concerns. (laughs) They're rentals. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually chocolate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so you've completed your task. What do the three of you find yourselves doing in the uh, in the hours and days following this? We'll close with a little montage of how you end your time in Isan. Right, uh, I think shortly after, like we make landfall and like everything's you know starting to settle down a bit. Um, I I pull Aster aside. I'm like, hey, I'm 
I'm sorry you weren't able to stop Echo Lambda from getting away. I know you're really into that uh, remnant tech. Um, but, and I, uh, I pull up my slate, uh, my little phone, and I show it to them, and it's got like a beeping signal on it. And I think we get a flashback of when we were running through the mycelial network, um, and I slapped a tracking beacon <laughs> on the. <gasps> nice. I, I think that Aster just kind of peers at and gets this big grin on their face and like throws an arm around your shoulders and is like, ah, you are one of my very favorite people. And I will throw my other arm around Mezzanine and be like, you are also one of my very favorite people. <laughs> Who wants a drink? <laughs> Alcohol is made of plants. Therefore, I have determined that I can drink. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Before we have to go hunt down a, a rogue camera. Rogue camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this would be if we were not doing a one shot where we'd go down into downtime uh, and you do upkeep, you'd earn yeah. uh, rep in this system, you earn reputation. So this would probably be a four rep job because you're dealing with things way above your scale. <laughs> I think the town would have paid you three trade for that, which you can use in various ways and probably would start off at four heat. Chaotic problem spills over into civilian areas, major collateral damage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's fine. And that would have been how the downtime worked. Uh, this is a fantastic system. If you have the opportunity, please pick up Songs for the Dusk. I love it. I can't wait for the uh, next version to come out. Yeah. The character sheets already have a lot of the cool stuff that's uh, going to be in it. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess we'll do our sign off. Thank you for joining us for this episode, The Rise of Isan, a Songs for the Dusk story here in International Podcast Month. I've been Arp. My pronouns are here, they. You can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber or follow my show at Broken Sun RPG. Stories of a Broken Sun is our actual play anthology podcast set in an original science fiction and cyberpunk world. I've been joined today by three other podcasters. We are joined by Thomas. I've been Thomas Marsetti. I'm the GM and producer of Wild Endeavors. Uh, we have a Dungeon World campaign and we are currently running a D&D 5th edition. You can find us on Twitter at Wild Endeavors. Thank you. And we're joined by B. I'm B. McChanda, she, her. You can find the Masks podcast I play on at Unlabeled AP uh, with three L's total. And my Twitter is at Space Doobie. And Ree. Hey, uh, I'm Ree, pronouns she, her, and I am the GM and producer of the Magpies podcast. Uh, you can follow me at Rhiannon42 uh, or follow the Magpies at Magpies underscore pod. Thanks again, everyone. Until the next time, all the best. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter and use the hashtag PodMonth2020. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.